Welcome to the Proper Lookout Podcast, published by the Statutory Insurance Group of McCabe Kerwood. In this series, our CTP experts will discuss a range of topics, sharing their thoughts on an industry trend or an intriguing legal issue, explaining the intricacies of an important case, and hopefully imparting some of the knowledge that they have gained. This is Andrew Gorman. In episode six of this podcast series, we looked into the state of play here and abroad and the evolution of the regulatory framework around autonomous or driverless vehicles. As we enter the new year, let me bring you up to date with some of the issues currently facing governments, regulators and insurers in this space. The pandemic has led to a pause of autonomous vehicle trials in many parts of the world. Late last year, Uber parked its plans for self-driving taxis, selling off its autonomous division to Aurora. Several reasons were cited, including concerns about public perceptions around safety issues. However, in some countries, notably China, their deployment has been accelerated as part of the health crisis response. Just last week, Bloomberg reported on the role played by Chinese Czech giant Huawei in developing smart roads in the city of Wuxi, where sensors, cameras and radars are embedded not just in the autonomous vehicles, but in the roadways and associated infrastructure. Independently, there have been increasing momentum in the development of relevant technology and falling prices of key components, such as LiDAR or laser light measurement. Relative to other parts of the world, Australia has improved its preparedness for the introduction of autonomous vehicles over the past year, according to a KMPG report released in 2020. It scored top marks on AV policy and regulation and connectivity infrastructure, specifically the availability of high-performance mobile internet. Now in its third year, the Autonomous Vehicles Readiness Index ranks 30 countries on 28 key indicators of autonomous vehicle preparedness. Ranked 15th in the world, Australia has maintained its position for the second year in a row despite an increase in the number of participating countries. Our top ranking for policy and regulation reflects the fact that our federal, state and territory governments were quick off the mark in reforming laws to facilitate future use of autonomous vehicles, work that's continuing under the auspices of the National Transport Commission's Automated Vehicle Program. A word about CAVs. In recent time, commentators have expressed a preference for the term connected and automated vehicles, or CAVs, because it accommodates the various levels of automation from level one, that's driver assistance, to level five, that's full automation, something we discussed in detail in our earlier podcast. Only level five and level four, high automation, vehicles are truly driverless. And it's important not to overlook the role played by vehicles with lower levels of automation, such as level two, that's partially automated, and level three, or conditionally automated vehicles. The term CAV is also favoured because vehicle connection is likely to be integral to vehicle automation. Just to recap, level two vehicles that combine linear and lateral automation are already operating legally on our roads. Linear control usually takes the form of adaptive cruise control and automatic emergency braking, and lateral control includes lane keeping or lane assist, as well as blind spot detection. Some models also offer automated lane changing and parking. Conditionally automated or level three vehicles can undertake the driving task in specific driving situations and can monitor the driving environment, but they still require a human driver to be ready to take back control when the automated system requests it. 
The key challenge of this level of automation is that the driver may be required to take back control of the vehicle at short notice. Settling into a movie in the back seat is not an option here. Some vehicle manufacturers are sceptical about the prospects of conditional automation and are focusing on developing high or level 4 automation. Highly automated vehicles are capable of operating without a driver and can bring the vehicle to a safe stop even if the driver doesn't respond to a system request to intervene, but only in certain operational design domains. Full automation, that's level 5, would allow a vehicle to go anywhere that a human-driven vehicle could travel at any time and under all environmental conditions. There are widely varying estimates of when full automation will be perfected and available for deployment. The most optimistic commentators expect Level 5 vehicles to enter the marketplace within five years, whilst others contend the evolution will take considerably longer. Let's now take a look at the future for automotive insurance. Will driverless cars need insurance? Undoubtedly, yes, because there will still be hailstorms, floods, theft and vandalism. And accidents will still happen. There will just be less occurrences of cars running into other cars. Until we reach a position where every vehicle on the road is fully autonomous, and that's likely to be decades away, there will still be accidents caused by non-driverless cars. Autonomous vehicles are pretty clever, but they can't wrap themselves behind a safety barrier in an impending collision caused by another vehicle with a human at the wheel. Insurance will evolve and continue to play a role in autonomous vehicles, much as it's played a role in the evolution of the car over the last century. So how will driverless cars affect insurance? Well, in the event of a collision involving fully automated vehicles where an injury, fatality or property damage results, key questions will arise with regard to who is ultimately liable a passenger, transport operator, vehicle owner or manufacturer, where it is deemed that the vehicle system is at fault. We'll start with the concept of driver. Policies are often only invoked where a vehicle was being driven. The term driving is potentially problematic because motor accident schemes across Australia generally assume that a driver is a natural person. Differing levels of vehicle automation challenge the idea that a person in a vehicle is in control of the steering, movement or propulsion or in charge of the vehicle. Driving is not currently defined in the legislative frameworks that govern the rights of motor accident victims across the nation. An NRMA report has identified more than 50 federal, state and territory laws that will need to be amended due to reference to the driver. Drive is only defined in the ACT's MAI Act. It's defined as being, quote, in control of the steering, movement or propulsion of the vehicle, end quote. This definition is similar to the definition of drive in other jurisdictions' road transport laws. Driver is only defined in the Victorian, New South Wales and Western Australian motor accident schemes in terms of a person who is, quote, in charge of the vehicle, end quote. In Queensland, South Australia and the Northern Territory, Road transport laws refer to the driver variously as the person driving the vehicle or the person in charge of the vehicle. Generally, drivers must have at least one hand on the steering wheel for effective control. So the CTP insurer needs to know if a vehicle or the driver had full or partial control at the time and how much. At levels three to five, the vehicle is the driver. If there is no human at the wheel during an accident, who has proper control? In May 2018, the National Transport Council argued for a uniform definition that 
ADS is in control of a vehicle when it's engaged in vehicles with high and full automation. Now let's turn to running or moving out of control. The circumstances of a vehicle running out of control is likely to apply to most accidents caused by an ADS. An ADS that is operating correctly in compliance with the road rules shouldn't cause an accident. If the ADS causes an accident, the vehicle is likely to be considered out of control. However, there may be circumstances where a properly operating ADS is faced with only two options for action and both result in a crash. The vehicle may not necessarily be running out of control. In schemes where fault is a requirement, the eligibility of an injured person to claim will depend on the running out of control being the fault of a person whose liabilities are covered by the scheme. Finally, let's look more closely at the concept of fault. In those jurisdictions where negligence is a prerequisite for personal injury compensation, proving fault in an owner or driver is key. That's certainly the case for those in New South Wales who seek common law damages under Meyer. An injured person must prove on the balance of probabilities that their injuries occurred as a result of the negligence of an insured party. Whether a negligence claim is brought under a MAI law or otherwise, the injured person must make out all the elements of negligence as modified by the relevant jurisdiction's Civil Liability Act, that is duty, breach, foreseeability, causation, and also deal with defences such as assumption of obvious risk, contributory negligence, illegal activity, providing emergency assistance, etc. So where does fault lie? An injury caused by an automated vehicle is likely to, to be caused by faults in communications, sensors or software systems. For example, the sensors in the vehicle may not detect an oncoming vehicle or the software may fail to properly respond to the hazard detected by the sensors. These systems may fail due to programming errors or there may be an external interference from a third party. The more highly automated vehicle becomes, the more complex assigning liability and proving breach of duty of care will become. When the Level 3 automated driving system is engaged, for example, that system executes the dynamic driving task with the driver expected to respond appropriately to system requests to intervene. Questions then arise as to when it's reasonably foreseeable for the human driver to rely on the system or to resume control of the vehicle despite no prompting from the system to do so. Reasonable responses to automated warnings are a matter of fact about which opinions might easily differ and which might change over time as the public become accustomed to intervention with those features. If a human occupant is an injured party, complex questions might also arise about whether that occupant contributed to their own harm, either by failing to take appropriate preventative action or by resuming control instead of relying on the automated driving system. A few words about the role of government. The New South Wales government has a state priority target to reduce road fatalities by 30% by the end of this year compared to 2011 levels. And as outlined in Future Transport 2056, a longer-term goal is to have a zero road trauma by 2056. Key to this target is the facilitation of industry advances included automated safety systems, such as lane-keeping assist, forward collision warnings and automated emergency brakings. Other measures include supporting the Australasian New Car Assessment Program, or ANCAP, truck and bus safety features and standards, and testing and harnessing emerging advanced safety technologies, including the Cooperative Intelligent Transport Initiative, or CITI, project, which focuses on how vehicles communicate with each other and with infrastructure. 
The New South Wales Road Safety Plan 2021 also includes measures to promote adoption of automated safety technologies, such as changing the government fleet procurement policy, which will increase the technology available in the used car fleet. The New South Wales government has established a legal framework for trialling CAV technology in this state. The Transport Legislation Amendment Brackets Automated Vehicle Trials and Innovation Act was introduced in 2017 to empower the Minister to approve applications to conduct CAV trials subject to certain safety and operating conditions. The Act also sets out insurance and vehicle supervision requirements, allowing for highly and fully automated, that's level four and five vehicles, including driverless vehicles, onto public roads. In 2020, the NTC released its final proposal on how AVs should be regulated on Australian roads. On 5 June, transport ministers agreed to work towards establishing a single national approach to regulating AVs with a national regulator and a national law supported by a general safety duty. The NTC, in conjunction with Australian governments, will continue to refine the details of the approach over the next 12 months and submit their recommendations for detailed implementation in the first half of this year. A primary objective of the reform is to ensure Australia offers a single market for AVs. One of the main questions to be decided is whether the single national regulator should enforce the general safety duty through the Commonwealth or state and territory applied law. A second important question is whether and how due diligence obligations should be imposed on executive officers of the automated driving system entity to ensure that the entity complies with the safety duty. Any regulation of AVs will need to address new risks introduced by the technology that can't be regulated by market forces alone. Above all else, the current insurance model must survive the transition from Level 1 through to Level 5 vehicles. It's been argued that the industry will struggle to meet this challenge if we have a different insurance model for autonomous vehicles than for conventional vehicles. Finally, data is the key. Autonomous vehicles will generate data that will have significant value for a range of key players. For example, data about traffic congestion and the road environment will be valuable to transport agencies, road operators and government. Driver preference data will be valuable to automated vehicle entities and black box technology yielding data about crashes and technical faults will be valuable to manufacturers, insurers, law enforcement and accident victims. Insurers currently use actuarial tables that provide profiles of the owner and driver of a vehicle based on available data, including age, gender, postcode, etc. However, as the car does more of the driving, these actuarial tables and profiles will hold diminishing relevance. Instead, insurers will examine the kind of car, what features it has, and how often those features are being engaged. Multiple types of data from AVs may be captured and utilised in real time, So insurers will have to begin to think more like technology companies, putting flexible and creative processes in place that accommodate different facts and scenarios. How will insurers get the information they need? Well, one way is using event data recorders or EDRs. These can continuously collect data about who and what is driving the vehicle in real time. But EDRs come with their own challenges. For example, privacy, where data is stored and how data is shared and with whom. So despite the undeniable benefits, the adoption of autonomous vehicles present complex legal and regulatory challenges for stakeholders and lawmakers in Australia's transport infrastructure space. The data-driven nature of autonomous vehicles also raises a new set of legal problems to be solved. In these early years of autonomy, insurers and car makers will need to work together. Establishing ties early will be useful for information sharing. 
it's evident that the two industries are beginning to appreciate the importance of collaboration as legislatures begin to redesign the claims process and to redefine the concept of fault to reflect the new landscape. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Proper Lookout podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. For more information on anything discussed, please contact Peter Hunt at peter.hunt at or visit our website to see McCabe Kerwood's full team of specialists.